to another episode of the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I'm your co-host, Darwin Salim. And I am your main host, the Artificial Dragon, and welcome to episode 52 of a podcast, everybody. I do apologize if I sound a little bit off in this recording. I'm, I just recently <laughs> recovered from a congestion. Uh, yeah, it just snuck up on me exactly. When I got back from vacation in Hawaii right after the last podcast, uh, it was not fun. I had to call in sick for one day at work. And uh, yeah, I'm still uh, trying to get that uh, whatever bug is in my system out. So uh, if I sound a little bit off, that's the reason. I'm not dying or anything. I I assure you, everybody. But yeah, um, welcome to the 52nd episode of a podcast. Uh, as per usual, um, this month we have Adronicos and Sabe, really lovely posters for all of our Patreons for the holidays. Hope you enjoy them, because oh boy, will they enjoy you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, thank you everybody for all the patrons that have been supporting us for the past couple of months. And, uh, yeah, we are still at 400 subscribers at the time of this recording. Well, actually, 40, 401 right now, if I remember at the time of my head. And, yeah, um, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, again, apologies for the, uh, for the, uh, delay, delay. of a Paleon episode. I'm trying out a new editor. Technical uh, difficulties. A lot of technical difficulties, but it's to be expected. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll pull through and continue on in this new direction we have for the podcast. But, yeah, um, so if you love our content, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash canmail. Once again, that's patreon.com slash canmail, where you can contribute to any amount, the lowest being $2 and the highest being $7, where you have instant access to our Discord server, where you could talk about general Star Wars lore, share memes, put in episode recommendations, and just have a nice little good time with us. Also, in other news, I finally named my blog. So why don't you pop pop on into Celine's Cantina and send my Star Wars OCs an ask or two. Uh, Celine's Cantina has got a really nice ring to it, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, especially with uh, your colorful collection of Swator characters that you have going on Quite over there. Quite literally. There, <laughs> there are a lot of colors. Uh, but yeah, pop over to my blog, give it some love. I'd appreciate it. Send me a few asks or two. That'd be I've, nice. Yeah, I think one of my favorite ones was uh, a couple of replies for uh, if you do any illegal stuff or anything like that. Well... The two fucking Jedi that I have <laughs> obviously won't do illegal shit. They're Jedi. Yeah, they're a uh, they're a bunch of uh, hoity-toity Buddhist monks, so it makes sense. They're not hoity-toity. <laughs> it's just they don't do illegal shit. <laughs> as far as we know, we do know that Jedi love uh, <laughs> going down and uh, you know getting some of that action, as long as there's no attachments. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, very exciting. Uh, Celine has her blog, which is now Celine's Cantina. Go over, drop her a question link about any of her characters. Once again, link in the description. Really fun. And it encourages my lovely co-host to exercise her uh, create her writing creativity. Mm-hmm. 
which is always a plus in this uh, line of work. But anyway, um, so we're gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do a quick shout out to all of our Patreons that have contributed to the highest tier. Um, shout out to Y Wolves, Cameron Lee, Doctor Emboss, Gobez, Tristan H, and Irk the Turtle. Turtle who is one of our most dedicated fans of the podcast so far. Yes, thank you is. so much, Irk the Turtle. Always appreciate your support. Not and eventually, to Irk, but thank you to the other patrons. Yeah, the other patrons. Love you all. Hopefully, <laughs> we're looking forward to what shenanigans we get up to in this upcoming new year. Mm-hmm. But anyway, with that aside, Hannah, I'm pretty sure you know what today's episode is going to be about. Oh yes, we are going to be talking about the Kalish. The Kalish, who, uh, for anybody that uh, is an a-, a casual Star Wars fan, is basically the race that uh, General Grievous is a part of. Basically, yeah, that is General Grievous's race. Yeah, um, and I think uh, it's a long time coming for both me and you, Hannah, because if I remember correctly. There's a named uh, Kalish character you've been encountering in your own D&D campaign, correct? Yes, he is the technically the big bad of the campaign. Yeah. And we will cover him in the flesh of the episode. Yeah, don't worry. We'll be talking a good amount about him, and it is not what you're going to expect. Just a little Probably heads up. Probably not, <laughs> but I'm going to cover what he's been like in this campaign. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Kalish, yeah, excuse you, um, the Kalish are one of those interesting races, and of course, this is a general theme for a lot of things in Star Wars, there's not a lot of information about the Kalish. Like, we know a little bit about their culture, what they're like, what their planet is, where they live, but we don't know the deep details of what the Kalish are culturally know a little bit about their culture but not a lot yeah it's just the surface level stuff but not not any of a deep juicy no, no shit been a, no one's bothered to write enough about it yeah the the only races that it gets a good amount of lore to them are the humans uh or the ewoks <laughs> i dread the ewok episode <laughs> Oh, that's going to be a long time down the road. It's going to be one of those subjects alongside the Mandalorian that's just going to be down there until we get around to them. Um, But yeah, I think the Kalish are a very interesting race. You definitely have a good impression of them based on Zalek from Swator, Hannah. Yes, I totally almost forgot about Zalek. Yeah. Uh, Zalek is, you know, he is a Kalish, but... Is it, you know, he's absolutely Sith. He is yeah. a warrior through and through, but he does honor his father after he dies. Yeah, he goes on like a murder spree on those miners, didn't he? You'll, in the recruitment for the Alliance, yes. Yeah, he killed the uh, slave master, if I remember correctly. No, it was not a slave master. No. So, he does not kill Harkin. Okay. You have the option as the <laughs> prisoner to kill Ar- Harkin. I've left him alive. Of course you did. <laughs> because he could be useful for later recruits down the line, no? No. <laughs> he never gets mentioned again. But at the end of this at the end of in- the Inquisitor story, he does bow to you mm-hmm. when you are made a Lord of the Sith. Yep. Yeah, there's That's a, a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good Kalish characters that I think are really interesting to talk about. Oh. But in the latest update, he is mentioned one time. <laughs> Harkin or Zalek? Harkin. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's all. 
the one good thing about the uh, new developers of uh, Swator is just that little mention. Not really! <laughs> the cream of crop. No, not really. <laughs> Anyway. But yeah, um, let's go ahead and talk about the Kalish. And to understand the Kalish, let us talk about their home world, which is the planet of, well, Kali. <laughs> I know, very original. A lot of uh, races have the same name, generally the same name as their home planet of Star Wars. Like Mandalore. Mandalore. <laughs> the Mandalorians. Man- <laughs> Mandalore of the Mandalorians, orbiting the son of Mandalore, who also has the leader of Mandalore. <laughs> <laughs> Or more fucking Mon Calamari, the home and their home world of Mon Cala or Duros with their home world of Duros. <laughs> I know it's all over the place, but anyway. Um, so yeah, Kali, it's a planet that is located in the Wild Space region, which if you recall from the Hano Onaka episode is kind of not quite the Outer Rim, not quite the Unknown Regions. It's kind of in between there, like Kamino... Uh, what was the home world of the Eternal Empire? Ricotta Prime? No, 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 no. The, that's the Infinite Empire. The Eternal Empire. That Valkorian is a part of. Zakul is there in the Unknown. There we go, Zakul. Zakul is in Wild Space. No, it's in the Unknown Regions. Hmm. I might be looking at my sources wrong, but uh, Kamino and a couple of other important worlds are in the Wild Space region. It's very remote and in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Uh, but yeah, um, Kali is found within the Kali system, and it is the fourth planet orbiting the sun of Almanac, and possesses its own moon, which has no name as far as I recall. Um, Kali is 13,850 kilometers across compared to Earth's 12,742 kilometers, so it's a little bit bigger than our own Earth. Uh, has a orbital cycle, not an orbital cycle, uh, it has a 23-hour day and night cycle, so a little bit shorter than Earth, and it has an orbital cycle of 378 days, so a little bit longer than Earth. Mm -hmm. Um... Kali is described as a very harsh world, though it does possess more varied climates compared to other worlds, such as possessing many tropical forests, beach, moss-covered canyons, and cliffs, while of course possessing many seas. And it also has a couple of polar ice caps, so it's kind of varied than your typical planet like Naboo or Tatooine, which is just swamp and deserts. (laughs) But yeah, um... The official population of Kali is numbered at around 4 billion, with 99% of it being, well, Kalish, and 1% being other. Mm-hmm. Which makes the population of Kali minuscule compared to Odram, which is like 20 million, I, no, 20 billion, I believe. Wow. But it makes sense because it's a primitive backwater planet, so it's not like they're in the industrial age or something like that. Um, That's ironic when it comes to the uh, Kalish character I want to tell you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry, we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, so the Kalish are the only intelligent species on the planet. Uh, there are many other types of fauna, such as the Mumu, which are described as tusked quadrupeds, so basically like bison, bison or uh, bulls, something like that. Um, there's no official picture of a Moomoo, but I, I remember seeing an art piece like a while ago where it basically looks like an alien bison. Sounds like a cow. 
Oh yeah, it is. Um, they are renowned for their thick hides, they possess two hearts, and have an extraordinary backbone. So, <laughs> yeah, they could, uh, they have a very rigid spine, from what I've heard. Um, to the point that the Kulish would prize the Mumu for their meat and inspired many of their own bone mask designs. Like, uh, if you... Look at some of the cloaks worn by Grievous's bodyguards. They have this little line that goes down their cloaks. That's basically inspired by the Moomoo tusks. Hmm. But yeah, um, there's even a popular sport amongst the Kulish called Moomoo fighting, which involves Kulish, I shit you not, it involves Kulish matadors. You know, they're, the, you know, they're the guys that uh, have I know a... what matadors are. <laughs> I'm cultured. I know. It's, it's just so hilarious. That's something that I need in my life. Just a Kalish warrior decked out in a cloak, uh, a red... T- a, uh, a matador outfit. A matador outfit. He's got his sword. He's got his red cloak. That's something I need in my life right now. That's fun. That's cool. Yeah. Um, another important fauna is the Karabakh, which are large predatory animals that live within the Arctic regions of Kali. And it is common for the Kalish to hunt them and use their pelts as cloaks and their skulls as masks. So, so that's where they get their masks. Yeah, they basically... <laughs> I imagine it's like a rite of passage for them in the same way the Tugruda hunt down whatever the predator they go on. Yeah, the Agle. Um, and they just take the literal skull of this predator, fashion it, and put it on their own face. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so the Kulish are a reptilian race that have an average height of 5 feet 9 inches to 5 feet 10 feet. So they are very, they're on the very short side. Um, which is ironic because Grievous is, in his cyborg body anyway, is around seven feet tall. Well, yeah, cyber <laughs> And they possessed red, orange, or yellow skin. And they possessed black or brown hair, which is really weird for a reptilian race. You would imagine they wouldn't have hair. Well, the... <laughs> I'll fill in more on who I want to talk about in a bit. <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> But yeah, um, normally, uh, okay, so they also have tusks and four-digit hands. Um, and they also kind of have this, you rarely see a Kalish without their mask, because they're basically mm-hmm. like the Mandalorians from the Mandalorian TV show. They, they rarely take off their mask, but if you look at some of a Kalish maskless, they kind of look like bats. A little bit. Just a bit. Yeah, they're a little bit like bat people. And as you can see, they have pointy ears, they have tusks, and they actually have pheromones that they can sense through their sensitive nose. And they also have, uh, let me see, uh, they have a normal lifespan of 80 years, which is pretty much the normal lifespan of a normal human. Um, And they also have thermal pits underneath your eyes, which allows the Kalish to see in the dark. And they even have keen olfactory senses. The average Kalish is said to be well-muscled, but this is a particularly weird detail. Their organs are said to be flammable. They're flammable? Yes. That's weird. Which I think is basically a hand-wavy thing of saying uh, how Grievous was able to catch on fire despite being shot three times by Kenobi. Fair enough, I guess. 
It's weird, but at the same time, it could be just the gut sack and the oil in it, but it's whatever. Well, Grievous's guts were all piled <laughs> in a gut sack. Yeah, so. that is very true. Um, but let me see. The They have, as I said, a very bad-like face. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about their culture. The Kalish are known as a very spiritual people and have religious figures that the Kalish believe to be holy men that can imbue power into the traditional bone masks and even give guidance to warlords. So, they basically, they don't call them as such, but they basically have shamans who, you know, interpret dreams, give them visions, and... uh, just like in many ancient societies today, like you have a soothsayer, all of that sort of stuff. They have a huge reverence towards tradition and spirituality. Um, Grievous himself is a well-known demigod amongst the Kalish, would even kneel before such holy men, before he went off to try and reunite the war with a huck, before he got shot out of the sky by Dooku. But yeah, the Kalish believe those that perform great deeds in life would become gods in death. And therefore, burial for them is sacred. It is like the number one most important thing for them That's to become. That's why Zaylet killed all the miners. Yep. Because they were desecrating his dad's grave. To a point of massacring whoever did the deed. So yes. Yes. Though, <laughs> so, uh... On their homeworld of Kali, they constructed many temples, which does look very similar to what you see in the Aztec cultures or the Mayan cultures, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most holiest of these temples would be called Shaparak. The one grand monolith laid within the Janua Sea was called Abessimi, which is the place that Grievous went to when he tried to appease the gods to bring back Kumar. Mm-hmm. But we obviously, yeah, it is such a good episode. Um, His name was not always Grievous. No, no, it was not. Um, Though despite this, they are divided into multiple tribes, which have their own different ideals and traditions. One tribe would be known as the Lick tribe, who are well-renowned for their expert swordsmiths and are the ones that created the Kalish Lick sword. And if, I don't think you recall this in one of our lightsaber episodes, but that's one of the few things that Grievous respects the fuck out of a Jedi for, is their lightsabers. It's not a mass-produced weapon like the ones that his battle droids use. It is handcrafted and unique to the individual who built it. And that's a similar philosophy for the Lickzord. It is handcrafted. It is a product of that wielder and the artistry of a Kalish race. Yeah. They say that the, you know, the lightsabers are unique, but when you look at the fight scenes, and especially in the prequels, yeah. everyone has the same goddamn lightsaber. <laughs> well, you know, well, when you put it that way, sure, but Got for all intents and purposes. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see, uh, okay, what if... However, what is universal for the Kalish as a race is that war is considered an essential and sacred practice, as their culture's large emphasis on honor was known to spur many acts of vengeance amongst the numerous tribes. So there is never a period on peace on Kali. There is always constant war. Like a... Have you ever seen that meme of that uh, of that dude who's wearing the Shao Kahn's outfit and he's like, I don't want peace. I want problems always. I have not. 
It's such a funny meme. But uh, that's basically the Kalish in a nutshell. And I suppose the Mandalorians as well, if you think about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> in a way, yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, aside from that, uh, we got the Lick Sword. We also have the Kalish's other signature weapon, which is called the Shoni Spear. Which, if you go into the Discord chat, uh, you'll see the first Kalish warrior is holding a Shoni Spear. Oh, okay. So the Shoni Spear are harvested from backward-swimming Shoni Swordfish, which the Kalish use as durable spears and for hunting Mumu, since the spear is one of the few weapons that could easily pierce the hide of a beast. Um, as such, the spear carried a symbolic meaning, as the Shoni and the Mumu symbolize the contest between sea and land. Um, another weapon commonly used by the Kalish, though not originally created by them, is what is called the Zerka Outland Rifle. So it's basically like a, uh, it's basically a slug thrower. If you don't know what a slug thrower is, it's basically a, uh, modern day weapon in Star Wars. A gun. Basically a gun. It doesn't shoot any blasters, it shoots projectile weapons. Mm -hmm. Um, it is... Described as a boat-action slug thrower, which is exceptionally sturdy and popular amongst backwater worlds and other planets at the extreme edges of a galaxy, as it was reliable and easy to reassemble for storage and cleaning. The most famous user of the Outland Rival is Kwaiman Zhao Shilal, who is what Grievous originally was. Yes. And that weapon was actually inherited by his great-grandmother. So, yeah, the, the Shalal line of being a huge dynasty of badass warriors. As far as we know. Yeah. Um, the Kalish also practice polygamy. Usually the one where the male courts multiple wives. Yes. Grievous famously having ten wives. Yes. And 30 children. Yes. <laughs> He's getting more pussy than Chaotic Mundi ever did. But anyway, uh, one of the Kalish's most recognized aspect is their bone masks, uh, otherwise known as the Kalish War Masks, as they are frequently carved from the skulls and bones of their homeworld's deadly wildlife, such as the Mumu, Arrakesh, and the Karabakh, with the mask adorning the Karabakh's teeth and their blood smudged above their eyes. Oh, so that's what those markings are. Yeah, they literally drench in the blood of their enemies. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it is even said... Each mask is unique, to the point that if a Kalish warrior sees another warrior of a mask of a similar design, it would not go unpunished, because it could be a copycat. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, um, Grievous, even in his life as a cyborg, wore a mask very similar to a Kalish war mask for the remainder of his life. Um, and even one named character from the sequel trilogy, um... Let me go ahead and put him in the chat real quickly. Is this character by the name of Sidon Afeno. Um, he wore a modified blood club, a uh, crimson-covered Kalish war mask, as you could see. That doesn't even look like a Kalish war mask. It kind of doesn't, but the lore states it's a Kalish war mask. We all know the lore of the sequel is <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, um, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um... But yeah, um, so the Kalish, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Kalish's history. Um, the Kalish became a prominent force in the galaxy during the Great Galactic War, which is the general's, 
events of Swator, mm -hmm. um, where both the Republic and the Empire recognize them as possible allies to, you know, yeet at each other in the war as yes, proxy enemies. Yes, a lot of them. Yeah, I believe there's like a, a bunch of mercenary Kalish that work for the Republic, and you could probably convert them to Malgus's side at one point. I think so. I can't remember right now. All right. Um... But yeah, there would be many Kalish slaves taken in by the Empire, who soon discovered some to have force sensitivity, and Zalek being a prominent example. Yep. Um, and there would also be prominent examples amongst the Jedi, as you probably remember. Though, let's go ahead and fast forward to thousands of years later, to 65 years before the Battle of Yavin. Uh, the Republic... So this is like 30 years before the Phantom Menace as a general uh, reference. Um, the Republic began having strains with this world called Gauta, a planet within wild space and the homeworld of the Bevrian race, which is another reptilian race that doesn't really matter right now, um, which the Republic... Uh, they were initially members of the Republic, but they wanted to secede. And the Republic secretly tried to get them to join back by, you know, supporting a military leader that was pro-Republic in an attempted coup. But he failed, obviously. Mm -hmm. And this resulted in the Bouverians uh, retaliating against nearby Republic outposts. The Republic wanted to keep this incident a little bit of a secret because if the news got out the Republic sent some military forces to quell his uprising, that would raise a lot of uncomfortable eyebrows from many members of the Senate. Mm -hmm. um, so they're kind of looking around like, okay, what ally can we call upon to go and yeet Avabuvrians in this sector? And their eyes landed on the backwater world of Kali. And they saw the Kalish warriors, and they're like, that's the ally we need. So they basically send a bunch of supervisors to talk to the Kalish and basically convince them, hey, see those reptilian assholes over there? They're going to destroy your culture if you don't do anything about it right now. And the Kalish are like, ooh, I'm so mad. And uh, they started arming the Kalish and basically sent them after the Bouverians. Didn't we talk about this in the Gravis episode? No, we did not. Uh, okay, that was a completely different fight. Yeah, it's a completely different fight. For the time being, the Kalish are backed by the Republic in this case. And in this war, which lasted, I believe, seven years, uh, the Kalish would fight the Bouverians. And the Republic even sent out a couple of Jedi to support the Kalish. Mm -hmm. um, including prominent members, uh, Master and Apprentice, Dooku and Qui-Gon. So, yeah, this conflict was the one that uh, Grievous's great-grandmother fought in at one point. So... God damn! <laughs> I guess Kalish don't have that long of a lifespan. No, they do not. They live for an average of 80 years, and considering they're at constant war, they probably drop like flies. Considering his great-grandmother was alive, what, 30 years before <laughs> the Clone Wars? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> God damn. Yeah, and it's also funny to think about that once upon a time, uh, one of Grievous's, hmm, I, I, I wouldn't say ancestors, but I suppose his relatives fought alongside Dooku and Qui-Gon at one point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, obviously the Kalish came out on top, the Bouverians, they, uh, their rebellion was quelled, their military order was quelled, 
And uh, for the rest of their days, the Bouvrians would forever hate the Republic and Force sensitives in general. But that's a topic for another day. Um, and fast forward several decades later, the Kalish would have a little war of their own. With their more insidious neighbors, which are these insectoid people called the Yammery. So, and they looked at the Kalish and they're like, Ooh, slave labor. I'm going to take those. Who fuck cares if we do something illegal in the, in the space of a republic? Who cares? And uh, we kind of know the story from here. Uh, Kwai Menjel Shalal became a uh, demigod for his people. Uh, Rendiro Kumar, they became an unstoppable force. They managed to uh, push the Yamri off of Kali, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, just watch the, the Grievous episode for that. But, yeah, it's just a huge back and forth. Like, the, the Kalish were in poverty, then they were held by the banking clan, and uh, then their uh, legendary demigod just disappeared one day. And uh, in his place is this cyborg warrior that the Kalish determined to be the, uh, the god version of Kwaiman Jaushalal. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, let's talk about the uh, Age of the Empire. Um, so, okay, that's, uh, for a prominent character, but there's not too much to Kalish in the future of Star Wars, they're just kind of there, uh, nobody's bothering them, but there are several members found within the Empire as Stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. One of, when the Empire abolished its xenophobic, uh, tendencies. Yeah, that probably takes a while. Oh, yes, it does. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and talk about their prominent characters. Grievous obviously needs no introduction. Watch the Grievous episode if you want to know more about him. Oh, yes. But the big one that you're excited for, Hannah, I'm sure, um, is an individual by the name of Bentaunus Sen Skaar. That is not how you say that. How ben- do you say it? Bentalius San Sakar. Sakar. We call him in the campaign that I am doing with Irk the Turtle, General Sakar. General Sakar. <sighs> <laughs> I, uh, this motherfucker is terrifying. I imagine he would be terrifying, yeah. He is the Empire Specialist on Primitive Worlds. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much in line with his character as far as I know. And as far as Irk says, uh... The protege of Thrawn. Okay, that detail I'm not sure is I canon, think but that's for the campaign. Yeah, but this is just from what I have experienced. So I det- so I uh, ascertain that uh, you like him as a villain. Kind of, but the motherfucker's terrifying. Oh yes, he is. He okay? Just show just to tell you a little bit of how unhinged he is. My character got married, and a night sister wedding is a bit of a private affair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's mainly up to the witch if she wants to like have a big, big fancy wedding or something private. Yeah, uh, but it is not up to the bride to invite people Fair to enough. the ceremony. It is up to who the witch who is officiating the ceremony. Kalara, mm-hmm. my character, received a gift. From Sakaar, <laughs> along with a hollow or er, a recording disc. <laughs> Red wedding. No. <laughs> anyway, go on. Uh, 
the storm the the stormtrooper that her Kalara's friend Yenna had hired for the bachelorette party was summoned by Sakar and he killed him. Mm-hmm. And he sent the sword he killed him with to my character. <laughs> because she did not invite him to her wedding. Please tell me it's a lick sword. Please tell me it's a lick sword. I don't know what it is. Damn it. <laughs> that would have been perfect, I though. I can't remember what it is, but it... Yeah. And when she had hung it up in a separate room, he visited another time and said... Oh, I don't like that there. Put it in your dining room. <laughs> He's uh, insane. He sounds like an absolute badass, though. He's nuts! <laughs> and recently, uh, Kalara and a few other Night Sisters made a went on a mission with a Inquisitor of the Empire yeah. to deal with the Spider Clan, which is a even more edgier... And primitive-ish clan on Dathmir. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think it's an era creation, but can't remember. Or, the Spire or, Clan, you said. I think. No, no, it's a uh, it's a Legends uh, clan. We talked about it in a Dathomirian episode. How that was long how ago. long ago? <laughs> anyway, we kill. We were going to kill the Queen Mother of the Spire Clan, but mm-hmm. our stupid fucking plan worked, and she just walked away. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate now, but uh, since we didn't want the Inquisitor, uh, we were trying we were trying to lie, and uh, we didn't want the Inquisitor knowing and having loose lips. We killed him. Of course. And Sakar s- said to my character after you know the uh, debriefing on the report and everything after the mission. Maybe I should make you one of my inquisitors. It's like, <laughs> no! I would rather fucking die. <laughs> All right. Uh, before this motherfucker I... is nuts. Yeah. Okay. Before I go into his story, did uh, Erg show you what he looked like in uh, in uh, Legends? Yeah, he looks so weird. But his art that he is making for the art that he's making for him is actually pretty good. Okay, I'll have to ask Irk about the art later, but yeah, he looks he's so He's not done weird. with it. <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, he's jacked, and he's so, terrifying. Yeah, uh, Sakar is a, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, he is a college general within the Galactic Empire, and was remembered as one of the few alien individuals to be part of a normally xenophobic empire alongside the likes of Ron. Um... Sakar is also notable for being taller than the average Kalish, as he is over nine feet tall. Yes! <laughs> and he was actually a veteran of the Hawk War, being one of the Ashovara, the eight elite warriors who were Grievous's personal bodyguards. Oh, shit. Yeah, so he has close ties with Grievous. Oh, yes. He intends, he intends to make us worship him as a god! <laughs> Very Kalish of him. Um, he was with Grievous when he flew off in the shuttle known as the Martyr, which was sabotaged by Dooku, causing it to clash, uh, clash, uh, crash within the sea and then blow up. Mm. But he... He survived. Mir- he miraculously survived that explosion that killed the rest of his members. How the fuck? He's like, yeah, I'm alive! <laughs> How the fuck? <laughs> and then uh, after Grievous was out of the picture, 
Um, he unified the Kalish people, and uh, he led them to the planet of Oban, which is where a uh, Yamri colony resided, and slaughtered them to the last. That just makes him all the more terrifying! Yeah, and then he established that as his, as the very first Kalish colony world. Um, but uh, a couple of years later, the Empire rolled up and they were like, Hey, what's up? We're gonna kill you now. <laughs> And Ska'ar was all like, fuck you guys. And uh, he put up a mighty resistance against the Empire to the point where they brought in uh, then Captain Fraun to figure out how to defeat them. <laughs> and Fraun, he was, you know, doing his typical thing, gathering art, gathering intelligence on the Kalish the and their culture. And he was like, eh, that's weird. Hmm. And... Uh, Fraun basically came to the conclusion that the Kalish are so up and down, backwards, sideways, so primitive, so out there, that there is nothing he can do against them. And the only tactic he came up with was just bombarding the fuck out of them. That's surprising for a tactician of Thrawn. The very same it, man. His caliber. The very same man who looked at a random art piece and determined it was made by an alien with four arms. Yep. And he looked at the coolie. She's like, nope. Nuke them. Yep. <laughs> and uh, from the smoldering ashes and a very recurring theme I've noticed, uh, Scar managed to... Ska'ar managed to survive the orbital bombardment. Ska'ar. Ska'ar. <laughs> it makes it easier for me to call him Sakar. Sakar. Well, it's spelled S-K apostrophe A-R, yeah, so Ska'ar. So- but anyway, <laughs> semantics aside, Hannah. Um, apparently surviving his second explosion in his entire life, he contacted the Empire saying, I give up. I give up. Uh, you've beaten me fair and square. I have no ill will against you. My my warriors died with honor. And I surrender myself to you completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was taken captive and he was brought before the emperor himself. And the emperor, he looks at his nine foot tall Kalish <laughs> warrior. By the way, he's like two feet taller than Grievous when he was a cyborg. Holy fuck. Like a motherfucking... They, they had a missed opportunity taking Grievous when they could have taken this giant of a Kalish as his uh, general for the Separatists. But, you know, whatever. Grievous is a cool character. So. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Palpatine probably had a sense of deja vu with uh, Scar. And he's probably. all like, okay. Um, in a similar fashion to what I did to your former superior, I'm going to recruit you as a general for the Imperial Army. You are a general, you have your own army, now go out to the Outer Rim and bring the primitive worlds to my heel. And that's basically what Scar did. He went out, uh, so... That's why they came to Dathomir! Yeah, Dathomir being the middle buttfuck nowhere with a bunch of force-using witches, so yeah, it makes sense. They didn't even do it for that purpose. They were going to start a prison colony there. Yep, that's pretty accurate. It, which is which is very fitting considering that Dathomir was originally a uh, penal colony to begin with. Yeah, but <laughs> now the planet's just... Oh, fuck. 
<laughs> but yeah. has got some work to do. But yeah, Skar would be tasked with bringing numerous fringe worlds under the heel of the Empire through numerous methods such as subterfuge and trickery, which is very in line from what I've heard in the campaign that you're playing. Yes. And uh, he also puts his own soldiers of lesser ranks in complete control over the worlds he has conquered. So... He has a uh, value in uh, the soldiers <laughs> under his command. Uh, this is just fucking. I can't remember the actual name of the race, but they're snake people. Oh yeah, from the Dathmere system. Okay, uh, yeah. But they, there was one. I think their planet was just recently taken over, mm-hmm. and Sakar put her in charge as Getzerion's handler. <laughs> Just to fucking spite us. It's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> but yeah, Skar is not a coward. He would always lead from the front lines. Well, no uh, shit. And he also had his own personal energy shield that made him impervious to even close range blaster attacks. Oh, fuck. Uh, I'm excited for that fight. <laughs> though he was unceremoniously killed uh, when he was fleeing in his ship... And Chewbacca, who decided, you know what, fuck this, he took a uh, solid gun mount and yeeted it at his ship and it just exploded. <laughs> I know, that's how he dies. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, but it isn't obvious. Skar, he wasn't exactly meant to be a Kalish. He was probably just some random alien that the artist drew and... They Lucas, just called it a Kalish. Yeah, and Lucas are was like, well, we have nowhere else to put him. Uh, who's that badass alien from Revenge of a Sith? A Kalish. Okay, he's one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very flimsy, but I wouldn't mind seeing an updated art piece of Skar. Ask Urk. Yes, I will. But he needs to finish it, so. I'm after your booty, Urk. I always am. <laughs> And then the next Kalish, uh, we have a Sith Lord. Um, it's not from Swator, but he's from a very interesting source. Um, this Kalish goes by the name of Sasia Region. Um, he is a former Padawan of, Jedi, of a Jedi Master, but he was corrupted by a bunch of crystals that turn him to the dark side, basically. Okay. Um, what I find really interesting about him is that he was a Sith Lord... Okay, a Jedi-turned-Sith Lord that joined the Sith Empire around Naga Sadao's days. So, ancient Sith. Very, very ancient Sith. Um, and apparently the Kalish were still out and about before they were officially found within Swator. Okay, in Swator, Thanaton goes on a spiel talking about ancient Sith traditions and mentions Ludo Kresh, Naga Sadao. Yep. They count as ancient Sith in the Old Republic. Yep, yep. Just making that point. <laughs> but yeah, um, but, okay, where was I? Okay, um, and Ragon, uh, he would actually participate during the Great Hyperspace War, where he would be in command of a Sith dreadnought called the Harbinger. And the heart, and he was tasked by Naga Sadao himself to go out to find these crystals that would be important for a future campaign he had. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he would bump into his former Jedi Master, who had his own apprentice, and he, and they have this uh, you know classic duel on his flagship and everything. 
Um, he would be gravely injured by his own Jedi Master. But his Master would damage the hyperdrive. Uh, and it would send his ship, the Harbinger, forward in time. At around uh, 5,000 years into the future. What the fuck? Yeah, it's one of those rare instances where, due to hyperspace shenanigans, they either go forward in time or back in time. That's weird. It is very weird. But point is... uh, Don't we cover that in the hyperspace episode? (laughs) I don't think I specifically talked about the time-traveling implications of hyperspace, but there are, like, several examples where, oh, no, we we accidentally went into the future. Oh, no. We went too far. (laughs) Oh, no. But yeah, point is, uh, they went into the future, uh, Rigon was all like, where the fuck are we? But before he could do anything, his master just murders him because uh, he killed his own apprentice and he killed him for revenge. Sucks. Yeah, um, so, brief character, knew you well, you're wherever you are in the Star Wars future. But anyway, um... And then, of course, uh, there's not too many other characters. There's just a couple side characters in Swator. I think there's like a uh, merchant captain, Kalish, from the High Republic era, which I think is the first time a Kalish has been introduced in Canada, aside from Grievous. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Grievous's former lover, or quote-unquote former lover, Randiru Kumar, because she's kind of an interesting character. I would talk more on Zalek, but there's not a lot. Yeah, that's he is fair. He's one of the least built upon companions of the Sith Inquisitor. Much. He's your apprentice. Much like uh, the Kalishan general. That's so stupid. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, uh, Kumar would be famous as the companion of Kwaiman Zhao Shulal. Um, though, interestingly, her origins are kind of a mystery to many, um, with some of them even asking if Kumar even existed at all but uh because much of what is known about her origins is based on speculation and unverifiable claims uh she is said to have come from the ice region of kali where the main uh predators of kalish's you know uh predators would reside and she would lurk she would work largely as a mercenary or as the Kalish called her, a, a cell sword. So she was basically like the Kalish version of a Ronin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, she would hire out her services to numerous Kalish tribal chieftains. And, of course, we know the, the classic story. Two demigods meet in the forest after hunting a mumu. And, uh, of course, we don't know if Kumar was... Grievous's lover, sibling, or they're just close friends, it's but not confirmed. it's not confirmed. But point is, uh, they were so close, they were an unstoppable pair of demigods that saved the Kalish from their hated enemies, the Yammery. And uh, she would be killed by the Yammery, and it would devastate Grievous so severely that he would, you know, try marry himself off to ten wives. Uh, couldn't fill the void in his heart, and he eventually renamed himself to Grievous, for he would remain heartbroken for the rest of his life. See the Grievous episode? <laughs> it's so good. I always love that section. Um, but that is not quite the end of her legend. Um, interestingly, there have been... So after Ska'ar fucked off and joined the Empire, mm-hmm. um, the Kalish people were kind of aimless. They didn't exactly have a common leader that would that would... You know, unite them under a common banner. 
But out of a woodwork, there would be this female Kalish warrior, so high and charismatic that she was able to leave a Kalish people into a new age of prosperity. Um, nobody knew who this Kalish warrior was, but many of them say that it was the reincarnated spirit of Kumar herself. Cool. And that is basically all I have on the Kalish people. I legitimately wish I had more, but, uh, Holy yeah. shit, an episode that's under an hour. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I did not want to go out on a limb and say this is a more chillax episode, but I surprised myself a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, I do wish there was more uh, details on the Kalish. Like, uh, I, I've also noticed, uh, how do they lay eggs or do they just give live birth? That is just one of those things that uh, will always be on my mind. They're reptilian, so it's, it feels like that they would have eggs, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just one of those details that a lot of people don't think about, but I think it just adds more depth to the Kalish as a people, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I just wish, like a lot of things in Star Wars, I wish they would put more lore into the Kalish. That would be pretty freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, I know how I feel. Now, in comparison to the Diathem, they are leagues above them, yes. but yes. <laughs> But yeah, that is uh, our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, are you ready to become a god, Hannah? Eh, maybe. <laughs> so did you enjoy the Kalish? Do you have any personal thoughts on it, Hannah? Not really. The episode was fine, but I just don't really have any thoughts. Well, I mean, you have been pretty excited about talking about Skar for the longest time. Well, that's because of... The way he's portrayed in this campaign that I'm doing. Yeah, uh, it would be kind of bonkers if uh, if Disney brought back Skar like they did with Ron. Yeah. Don't see that happening, Probably but it would not, be pretty but... cool. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Knowing Dave Filoni, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows indeed, Hannah. But anyway, you want to guess what our uh, final episode of the year is? You're going to tell me anyway. <laughs> so, uh, we're approaching uh, a very lovely holiday where we open presents and oh. all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, the obvious hands answer would be Live Day, but that would probably be a very short episode in general. But, to make it even more interesting, I will be talking about the numerous holidays of Star Wars. Fitting for yeah. the holiday season. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting because there's a good amount of uh, holidays that it's just a couple of sentences, but I'll pick out the more interesting ones. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Apologies for the delay on the Paleon episode and hopefully no delays on the Kalish episode. Let's hope but, not. Yeah, um, but I hope you're having a wonderful time. Uh, thank you for supporting this podcast and... Uh, Look look forward for uh, more Star Wars alternate episodes. We're approaching the last leg, the end game of the Iego arc. Uh, I'm not ready to say goodbye to the world yet. <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to let go. I know. <laughs> well, anyway, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And until then, may the Force be with you. 
this is the way. This is the way. Bye-bye. Bye.